This is the Future of Device Management Podcast, brought to you by Fleet. I'm your host, Zach Wasserman, CTO and co-founder of Fleet. Now, let's jump right into today's episode. Welcome. We're here today with Nick Anderson. He's a security engineer at Meta, and he's speaking with us today in his capacity as member of the OS Query Technical Steering Committee. Nick has been with OS Query for a long time, working especially on the Windows stuff. And Nick, so glad to have you joining us today. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been it's um, a huge pleasure to be a part of this. So, like, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Well, Nick, we, we usually like to start out by talking about kind of your story, your background. Uh, you know, how did you get into cybersecurity? And in particular, how did you get into OS Query? But we'd love to hear kind of your whole story. What's the evolution? Sure. Um, I actually really like sharing this because I, I love talking about failure. Uh, so I actually had no idea about security for the longest time. I started out as an undergrad in college. Uh, thinking I was going to be a computer engineer, I think, in undergrad. And I, like, failed out of that because I thought I was horrible at programming. Um, you know, given that I'm here, you might, you know, spoiler alert, that wasn't true. But I remember I was a grad student in mathematics. I had failed my qualifier exam, like, five times. Um, it, was, it wasn't looking good. Like, I was ready to just be like, ah, I guess this isn't just going to work out. But I found this flyer in the, you know, Ross Hall and University of Wyoming that was like, you know, cybersecurity and it had like a spider on it and it was just super cybered out, right? Like green and black ink. And it was like, you know, come to NYU and do cyber. And it was like, hey, that looks pretty legit. I know I like computers. And at the time um, I had been, I had founded the cybersecurity team alongside of some other really awesome people in Wyoming and like uh, Dietrich Wambach and Jeff Burroughs and Jay Wench, we had all kind of like put together this team of people that were doing cybersecurity competitions. Um, and that was a big part of why I failed out of my math grad program was I was like reverse engineering malware when I should have been studying abstract algebra and, you know, uh, other math stuff. Anyway, I applied to it um, and it worked out. I went to NYU and I studied under some really amazing humans there, uh, like Julian Cohen and Evan Jensen and some just awesome people kind of brought me up in the world and helped me get exposed in a lot of ways that I needed. Um, and I'm more of a student, like I like having the structured curriculum. So for me, going through an educational program to learn cybersecurity was really helpful. I had already learned a lot of stuff, but I got a lot more exposure than I ever would have in the past. But I say that just to kind of point out that like for a lot of people, you don't need the educational side for security, right? It's a lot more about like chasing your passion and intrinsic motivation. Anyway, uh, I, I did NYU as a part of a SFS scholarship program, um, which is an amazing opportunity for kids. So like I will plug that if kids are interested in cybersecurity. SFS is the scholarship for service program. You go to school, you learn cybersecurity, and then you work for the federal government for however long you took the scholarship. And it's just a phenomenal opportunity, especially through NYU. That program is fantastic. So I can't encourage it enough. But after that, I worked at Sandia National Labs for a bit where I met Teddy Freestyle Reed and a couple of other really cool kids who, um, they, they like, right after I started at Sandia, we went out to play pool and Ted was like, hey, I'm quitting to go work at Facebook. And I was like, you son of a gun. Cause I was like really pumped to work with him. Um, but you know, fast forward a year after that, Ted was like, Hey, you should, you should come hang out with us. So I followed him. Um, and that was what got me into 
uh, kind of like endpoint generically. Cause I was sitting down having lunch with Ted at my, inter- or my, or my interviews. Um, Ted, I like, I was really interested in the malware problem. I was like, I like reversing malware because you know, it was something I, I knew something I was kind of good at. And it seems sort of the sexier side of security. It's like people always are really fascinated by REs. And Ted was like, yeah, but what are you really solving? Like by reversing malware. And I was like, I don't know. Like it wasn't a super profound statement, but it absolutely floored me. I was like, yeah, man, what am I doing here? Like reverse engineering malware is valuable. We need to have companies doing it. But ultimately, like especially in Facebook's capacity at the time, it's kind of like really all you're doing is responding. Lots of response. And it makes a lot more sense if you try to get closer to the root cause of the problem. And that got me interested in endpoint detection and response. Like, how are we getting better telemetry from endpoints? So Ted kind of brought me into the fold of OS query. And um, I had had a huge amount of uh, background in Windows. We didn't have a lot of Windows experience. At the time, OS query was only on Mac OS and Linux because we were using it for our prod fleet. Um, but they had, you know, the spark of a plan to bring it to Windows, and that was where I came in. So I came in to kind of help liaison the transition. We had contracted out Trail of Bits. Massive shout-out to them. They did an amazing job with that port. They were really easy to work with. Um, they were super responsive to everything we asked them for. So I just kind of acted as a conduit. Like, I, um, I, I did some of the code, and I did a lot of code review, but they did all the heavy lifting and after they were done with the initial port, I took over of kind of like the management of the code and made, smoothing out any creases we had to make sure that the the port worked the way that we needed it to. So that's a really long <laughs> track of like how I got into it. I hope that covers most of the bases. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's a great story, Nick. And so funny how you got to Sandia and Ted was just on his way out and you thought, I, I've got to follow Ted. And for those who are listening who don't know Ted, I mean, he has to be hugely credited with the the success and the technical Absolutely. excellence, I would say, of OS Query. I mean, he came into the project six months or a year after its inception, and I think he brought a level of, of technical maturity that yeah. is really unparalleled in folks that I've worked with. And he also yeah. brought a lot of yeah. enthusiasm. Uh, Nick, you're not the only one who I've heard... <laughs> had uh you know multiple sparks of inspiration from their interactions with ted so that's that's really cool yeah no i i would even want to take that further like ted yeah ted was amazing for the project he was just so patient and took a huge amount of time with the community to get people integrated but i think you know we'd be remiss if we didn't like point at the fact that you can go to the github and you can see the commit history there's a lot of people who we should credit, right, for, like, the inception of OS Query and the proliferation, right? Like, Javier, Javier um, Prados, I don't know his last name, but Javier Habuto, right? He was a huge part of getting OS Query pushed out, as was Mitchell Grenier and, like, some of the other humans that, that don't get enough pointing at. But um, a lot of us, I feel like Ted was kind of the centerpiece. Like, Ted sort of brought us in, and he was like, hey... Your code sucks, but it's all right. I'm going to help you get through it, right? Like, I know I had multiple code reviews with Ted where I was like, I'm sorry, I'm so bad at this. And he's like, dude, it's fine. Just keep pushing at it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and, and a huge credit to all sorts of folks and to a massive community at this point. Yeah. Like, I think hundreds of people have contributed to OS Query oh, yeah. now. So thank you, everyone, who's played a part in this. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I'm really curious about 
is when you were thinking about OS query on Windows, you, what what did you anticipate as being some of the biggest challenges? And then also, did those pan out to be the challenges and what were the biggest challenges? Yeah, abs that's a great question. I mean, the number one thing that comes to mind was just the the compatibility between POSIX and, and Windows generically is just horrible. So we had baked OS query to have this view of an operating system that was Linux, right? And it worked for Mac OS because of the POSIX subsystem and so much of it is so similar. But when we tried to apply that model to Windows, I, like it was just, it was hard, man. Um, the biggest bane that I still think is probably an issue was like OS query runs as root, right? And we don't make a lot of guarantees. We say like, hey man, if someone compromises your system and gets root, it's end game. It's over, right? Like we're not going to make assurances that OS Query is going to be able to withstand that. Whereas with Windows, you know, you've got system, you've got administrator, you have a couple of different uh, like Aqua models that you could use. And we didn't have a good translation of that. So we tried to make OS Query behave in a similar fashion as we could to prevent somebody from like unloading the service or like tampering with it from a user context. But it just never worked out well. I think we've got, we've come a long way with it. And I think we've made it work better now. But that was really hard, and that was that was a lot of headaches for a really long time. Um, also, like the processes table or the system crashes table, right? The model is just different enough that making those tables look and function the same just didn't make sense. Um, and it was a lot of sort of like work. And this is where the community was amazing, right? We would try to push out changes that said like, hey, here's how the process is going to look, you know, going forward. And in the Windows land, the command line is so fundamentally important to what you're doing but we didn't put a lot of emphasis on that from the beginning because it just didn't translate right away. But we had community members come out and say like, Hey, you need to fix this. Cause if you don't, it's kind of worthless to us and we, we can't get the rich data that we need. So I think, yeah, there were a couple of the core tables were really difficult to work with early on and, and just needed a lot of extra time and care. But uh, the community was probably the biggest savior of that. Like they were just really patient with us and very helpful. Um, some of the other deployments, like I don't remember the companies off the top of my head, but, they were just incredibly patient with us while we were getting bugs put, fixed, right? And like pushing out new releases for it. This is really cool work that you did there, I think, because these aren't, these aren't, you know, so much technical problems of how do we write the code, but these are the technical problems of how do we, how do we make these concepts apply across domains that are in some ways really different. And it's a challenge that was, I think, really worth taking on because that was a big part of the promise of OS Query is like, you know, we're going to provide you with this unified interface. Yeah. Uh, so that work that you did to try to smooth over those differences, I think, is important to the ability of, of someone who comes and wants to use OS Query on yeah. a on multiple platforms today. I. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not intending to take stabs at any of the big EDR companies, but I do feel like that you're right. Like that was one of the biggest things we offered, right? Was we had, we had this agnostic view of an operating system. And at the time, the other big players were so focused on just one platform. I mean, it was almost always windows, right? But like when they tried to bring in Mac OS or Linux support, it was almost an entirely new sensor. It was a completely different view and it didn't really fit together well, but with OS query, it was always the same. And it was because we, I feel like we, you know, we had really good foundations uh, and like our principles, things like keep the data simple, try to like, you know, um, principle of least surprises. There were a lot of different things that kind of guided our development philosophy. 
And I feel like that was help, a big part of why we were so successful with it early on with the port. Yeah, totally. And you went on to, you know, after being really instrumental in helping to bring OS Cray to Windows, as OS Cray transitioned out of the the sort of support the direct support of of Facebook and into the Linux Foundation, you transitioned into being a member of the OS Cray uh, TSC, the Technical Steering Committee. Yeah. And I wonder, uh, you know, what's what excites you today about, or has excited you over time about being a member of the TSC? I think um, I think the biggest thing that excites me about being a part of the TSC, I guess I'll, I'll start with just what excites me about the TSC. And then maybe we can touch about my involvement with it because from my perspective, <laughs> we were, um, so yeah, we, we had OS query being supported primarily by Facebook and it was just this really, you know, I don't want to knock Facebook because they were amazing for it, but it honestly felt like an unhealthy relationship. It was like Facebook just sort of directed everything that we were going to do and there was very little reciprocation or input from the community. Like there wasn't an option for it. It was just like, Hey, this is what's best for Facebook. And that's going to be what we do. And so seeing a transition to be more community supported and having more involvement from everybody and genuinely like a council of companies that gets to make decisions. That's amazing. That's so healthy from a, like a development perspective. Cause now we really are an endpoint for the community and it's not just an endpoint for Facebook and everybody else. Secondly. And so you know, being able to kind of like lend my voice and support to that has just meant a lot to me. Um, getting it to a, a healthy place has been really helpful. Um, as I'm sure that you may know, and the other council members know, like I had a lot of other stuff kind of come up in my life and I wasn't able to give it the love and support that it needed anymore. So being in a state where like, I think Ted might even sort of, you know, uh, mimic these same kind of concepts is just that like, we, we couldn't keep driving it the way that we used to, um, you know, life was starting to pull us in other directions. And for me in particular, I started to see that in order to continue or advance in my position in Facebook, I had to let it go. Um, and that was really hard, but being able to kind of like give it to the community and let them bring it up and continue to support it. That just was everything, man. That really meant a lot. It was so cool to see everybody, all the other companies who've been super active in the community, like kind of keep it moving. It's just been awesome. A lot of open source projects like this just sort of fizzle and die, right? They kind of like they idle or they're deprecated or they're archived. It was really cool to see that OS Query is like going stronger than it ever has been before, right? Like it's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it is really cool. And I share a lot of that enthusiasm for, you yeah. know, having been able to be a part of helping to diversify the, the support base of OS Query. Yeah. It's so cool. So transitioning a little bit over towards um, a bit more practical, shall we call it? I mean, you had a lot of experience working in uh, in endpoint security at Facebook. So I wonder, um, you know, how do you think about the monitoring and securing of laptops versus servers versus containers? All these sort of different point, different forms of you know, quote unquote endpoint that we have today. Yeah. Um, it's hard, right? It's an insanely difficult problem. I think something that we, that, that came up at a lot of conferences or like anytime we would have these conversations is people don't focus enough on the basics. Um, and this still feels true. Like I feel bad saying this now because I feel like we've come a long way, but stuff like 
device management. Like, how do you know that your endpoint is making it to all of your endpoints? Uh, like, I know that's redundant, but generically, you can't have good assurances on your on your defenses, on your you know your castle, your defense in depth, whatever story you're picking. It's really hard for you to reason about that and threat model if you don't have really strong assurances that everybody's running what you expect them to be running. So at Facebook, you know, we had a, a handful of different things that we were pushing to our endpoints. But at any point in time, we never had good assurances. You know, we would get like, we'd get like 99% of our endpoints. We could guarantee that the stuff was running and that we were getting what we expected. That 1%, though, you know, when you're at the scale of Facebook, it's a considerable amount of hosts. And we never had good stories for identifying those. And now the transition into the remote life, it makes it even more difficult, right? Like, if I, you know, now I'm not just thinking about my corporate networks, I'm also thinking about your networks. And what defensive mechanisms do I have to protect from your network, right? Um, it's hard. And so I think, you know, one of the things that helped us the most to at least kind of get more success out of it was stuff like making sure that you have really good device inventory, device management. So if you're using Chef or Puppet, put more resources there, right? Don't, everybody, it was always a common theme. We'd get new people in the Slack and they'd be like, hey, I want to get started with OS Query. It was like, hold, hold up. Let's back up a step because, you know, installing OS query is a lot for, for many people. It's like, what is your story about getting something pushed to your endpoints? And then after you get it pushed, how do you know it's still running, right? And then after it's still running, how do you know that nobody's messed with it, right? So I think emphasizing those parts more helped a lot on Windows. Um, if you have good uh, Active Directory structure, that helps a lot too. We were in a really weird place with our Active Directory deployment at Facebook. And I think a lot of it came from the fact that Facebook likes to run lean. I, I like a lot of companies do this, right? And so it's not, we say, oh, well, we run lean at our company. It's like, yeah, but everybody does that because they can't hire enough security people. But I feel like if you can try to like put more resources into your enterprise engineering, your IT, your client platform engineering, whatever you call it, they need the help and support, right? They are the ones who make sure that every laptop sent has that endpoint. But that's just, I mean, I, I focus there because, in my opinion, the corporate story always sucks the most. And, you know, the people in prod will say I'm wrong and they'll say, no, 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 prod sucks the most, right? Everybody always thinks that their their thing is awful. But from my perspective, you have the least uniformity in the corporate environment. You have, um, you know, just random stuff. We would always find the weirdest things in our corporate deployments that you would never see in your prod environment, at least at a company like Facebook, because our prod environment was so well instrumented. So to me, it was a lot of like, you know, dump more resources into your IT group, um, really try to better identify your corporate story, because that is where more likely your, your compromise is going to come from corp, right? It's going to be like somebody got fished, they're going to get a shell on that host, and they're going to start finding a way into prod. And it's like all of your defenses in your production network might be for not if one person screws up on a phishing attack, right? Um then, you know, kind of like moving to the next layer of like servers, we just never spent a lot of time there. Uh, we would work on the OS query deployments, but the problem became with scale. It was like, it's really difficult for you to see like, hey, give me all of the processes for all of the hosts that I have in prod. That was, that's just like such an insane amount of data uh, at, at like some of the bigger company scales. I say that, but then, you know, Klong, Klong did this at Palantir and he blogged about it and it was great. And so like, he was able to, he wrote this amazing blog. So for those who don't know, Klong is Chris Long. He was Klong at FB. He's a great engineer. Um, he contributed to the OS query story a lot from the user perspective. And probably the developer too. I, I don't remember because he was a little bit before my time. But he had an amazing blog about like standing up 
some of the eventing tables at scale in production. And it was this really good opportunity for us to see how OS Query handled this massive scale of data. But it's just difficult. It's a huge battle, right? That's why he has an amazing blog about it. So I'd highly encourage people to read about it. But the way that I feel about this is like, I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong here. Like a lot of people want to start focusing on servers, but I think containers is the new story. If you look at some of the bigger players like CrowdStrike or Lacework or Carbon Black, they're focusing less and less on the on the host operating system. They're focusing a lot more on containers. And I don't know if that's because they think like, oh, we're done with servers. We can focus on containers now. I think more of what it is is people have uh, started to embrace the deployment patterns that like Facebook and Google stood up, which is you have a bare metal host. Its only job is running containers, right? It's that like EKS or Fargate story that Amazon pushes. And what's... I don't really know how to reconcile this, right? Like everybody wants to introspect on the container and they want to say stuff like, Hey, I want to know everything that's running in the container. Or I want to like see stuff in the container, but it's, it's like, why that's kind of defeating the purpose of the container in the first place. Like, I think it makes more sense that you, you focus on your deployment strategy for the containers, right? Like what kind of source code auditing are you doing on your container specs? Like, how do you know that what's what version of software that's being pulled by your container isn't vulnerable, stuff like that. Um, I think that's the new hotness, right? I think that that's where everybody's heading is to containers and they're focusing less and less on the bare metal hosts because, you know, that's what's running your code. But I, I you know, I haven't used the OS query Docker container uh, tables. Maybe you have, maybe you can like lend some insight to me because I am super out of the loop on the container introspection and like what the latest is on that. I've always just been like, I'm not really sure why you do that. It's an ephemeral container. You should focus on how you built the container as opposed to introspecting on it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm dumb on that one, but that's how I reason through it, at least. Hey, it make, it makes sense, and I think it's been a long time conversation in the community of do we, you know, how much do we want to look at the dynamic behavior of a container versus doing this sort of static analysis kind of things and the yeah. supply chain analysis things? And I, I mean, my impression is that some of this is that containers are not quite as immutable as we would hope they would be um you know we can we can build containers with security practices that help to improve things but they you know they're still you could still spawn new processes you could still do interesting things within containers potentially but i i think that definitely the the level of isolation has certainly improved over the over the older paradigm, uh, but yeah. I think that some of this is 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 from things being not quite as clean as we'd all hope for. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I mean, like this this you're you're shining a light on my lack of experience with a lot of like complex container environments, right? It's just from an outsider perspective, it's like okay, we're taking a container, we're putting a bunch of processes inside of it, and now we want to put an endpoint inside of it so we can. It's like wait a minute we already have this concept. It's just an actual server, right? It's just like, we've just put it inside of a container, but the more we bring in there, the less the container actually matters. But I, yeah, I mean, it's true that we need something. We need a better strategy for it. I'm just, I remember in conversations I had where, you know, some engineers wanted to try to have OS query change namespaces. So that way it could get inside of the Docker container. And I just hated this concept because it was like, it's like you're violating everything that the container is standing for in the first place. But again, my naivety with container, you know, deployments, right? Like this is the reality is that they're going to be messy. People are going to do it wrong or like you're going to have goofy code doing goofy stuff inside of the container. So, yeah, we need a story for it. You're absolutely right. 
And I, I've been trying to level up my understanding of containers and the security problems around that as well. And I just checked out Liz Rice's book on container security, which I'd really recommend to folks. I think that you can download a copy for free from some vendor. Uh, yeah, and I'll take that out. Yeah, it's that's worth a look for sure. So Nick, cool. to, to to kind of come back to the the question of laptops versus servers versus containers, it sounds like to to boil down what you were saying, it, it, to some extent, it sounds like the, the biggest challenges on on workstations uh, you'd characterize as it's hard to control the entirety of the environment. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it, like, I guess something I did want to talk about, sorry, I went on a bit of a ramble there, but something I did want to sort of bring into this fold is it's not just laptops anymore. Um, this is a lot of what I've been doing lately is now mobile is the new sort of piece here that we don't have good stories with. As Apple moves to the M1, I think we're starting to see a lot of endpoint devices moving more and more towards a mobile sense. We're going back to thin clients effectively, right? And so we're going to be in a state where a lot of the traditional concepts of endpoint detection don't make sense anymore because you're running on Android or like you're running on iOS, right? Like it's not going to be the same. And so we have to evolve the story of endpoint. But yeah, I think the, you know, that, that just adds to this, this note you just said where like things are not uniform. Things don't make sense. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to ask this one question for my whole environment and that'll help me detect stuff. You have to pay attention to all of the different pieces there and make sure you're asking the right question contextually. And that's a huge amount of work, right? That's like a lot. Yeah. And Chrome OS, I think, is a really interesting one to throw in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, how are you getting all the extensions on that Chrome OS laptop, right? Like, the new the, the uh, place I've been for the last year and a half is looking at malware that's purely designed to steal user credentials. So, like, fake Facebook apps, fake, fake, fake Facebook logins. Chrome extensions are another big entry point on this. And we have those tables for, you know, Windows, Mac OS, Linux for the, the endpoint. But, like, you're, you're not running OS query on your Chromebooks. But a lot of companies are looking at, hey, what if we just gave all of HR Chromebooks? And now they we don't need to worry as much about malware. Like, okay, well, now our endpoints don't work anymore. <laughs> How are we enumerating those? I think I'm pretty sure that Google has some, like, enterprise detection stuff, right, for, like, you know, enumerating those extensions. But it's just that the story is changing considerably from where it used to be. Now we're back to the the visibility problem. Yeah. Luckily, it's yeah. a it's a it's a smaller pond that we're that we're searching through. But all of a sudden, our tools are are much more limited as well. I mean, hopefully, right? Like, I, I just feel like you you get this for a bit. Chrome OS will be like this now, and you'll be able to just say, "Hey, we only care about Chrome extensions." But then there's going to be some new evolution. It's a cat and mouse game, right? Like there will be that next step, that next evolution of malware that all the big companies blog about and get excited about and has the name and the web page. But, you know, we're, it's just like it's never going to be this end state of like, hey, we figured out detection and now we can just run this one endpoint. And we've got it all. You have to continue to evolve. Yeah. And, and so to contrast the workstations with the servers, it sounds like from what you've seen, the, the biggest challenges on the server side are more of the how do you address the problems of scale? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, I, I, I remember conversations we'd have with production engineers or people who'd be like, hey, if you think that prod is uniform, you're absolutely crazy. Because, I mean, especially at Facebook, you could be on different kernel versions and that could change the APIs, the underlying APIs that you're talking to that could change your vulnerability surface. So 
I, I just feel like it's easier because if you are doing a container-based deployment, you in theory should have more uniformity than what you would have with your corporate environment. Someone could come and tell me I'm completely bonkers and that I'm absolutely wrong, and that would be valid. But based off of my experience at the very few companies I've worked, that's always been the story, right? Humans are not predictable, whereas server computers are supposed to be. They aren't, but they're supposed to be, right? And so, yeah, because of that, I think the harder problem in servers is just like addressing the scale of your deployment. Some people might have an easier time with that if your deployment's small. But um, I think the harder piece is the container side. Like you should be putting your emphasis on that containers and understanding what you need to do as we were talking about. Like it's, it's crazy, it's changing, it doesn't make sense yet. Or on the client side as opposed to your server yeah, and it's kind of like the the pets versus cattle thing that folks talk about. Like every workstation is like the person's little pet. It's unique. It it gets its own uh, tender loving care, yeah. and and the servers are just deployed cattle. out there. They don't get too much individual attention. Um, That's a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I love that one that, that folks have been using. I think it's important though. Like you know, I'm not saying don't focus on your servers, right? You still need a fence for your cattle. You still need to have something right and a lot of people for that for them it's the the bastion host tier right you're firewalling everything off you have to have two off to get to prod something to that effect but yeah I, I think you're gonna end up spending a lot more time with your pet right than you are with your cow yeah and uh, your last comment there makes me really want to start digging into like some beyond corp kind of how do we think about the 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 oh, man. The, the, yeah. the shell with the with the soft middle or or the onion model and that kind of stuff but i think yeah. that we're gonna actually have to head towards wrapping up this conversation okay. so yeah uh, nick to to close it out what are the what are the top three pieces of advice that you would give to organizations working on managing and, and securing their computing devices yeah. I mean, you know, I, I said it earlier, I'd say focus on fundamentals, make sure you have a good story around patch management, vulnerability management, make sure you have good inventory management. That's going to set you up for success for later pieces, right? After you've got that problem, at least approached, it's going to be so much easier for you to consider different endpoints, different detection strategies. If you don't have that story straight, you're going to be all over the place. It's really hard for you to unify your teams. Totally. Um, other things, I, <laughs> I don't know what else I would say. That's a, that's a nugget of gold there, I, I think. And, and we can call it there. Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> we just call that Nick. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And thank you again for all the work that you've done on OS query over the years. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. 